What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and, of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler will be joining us on the phone, and Jacob and I are in studio. How much is too much to pay a professional athlete? Well, Patrick Mahomes just got a whole lot, and we have some thoughts. Also, more players have opted out or been told they won't be able to go to the NBA bubble in Orlando, Florida. We'll discuss the impact that will have on teams headed down to the bubble. It's the 10-year anniversary of the decision, and Tyler will have a full report on the basketball tournament. All this and more coming up right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 149 of the Sports Kingdom show. And the last two weeks, I've gone back and listened to the episodes, and I forgot to mention my name at the top of each episode. Yeah, they know who you are. (laughs) If if they don't by now, then they probably shouldn't be listening. Listen, 149 episodes in, I hope you know my name, but just in case, I won't forget this time. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. 360, Tyler Pachalki. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just, uh, just hanging in there, you know, watching, watching the show. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right. I am also in studio, joined by our co-host, producer extraordinaire on the board, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, I had a good weekend this past weekend for 4th of July. It was Pretty relaxing. Oh, that's right. How yeah. was how was your Fourth of July, Tyler? Uh, it was all right. It was all right. You know, uh, I, I was hanging out with the guys. Yep. You know, we may we may have done a little bit too much celebrating on the third. Oh, okay. So you took it easy you on know, the fourth. A little pre fourth. Yeah. So the fourth was uh, was kind of a drag, but you know, I wasn't really in the holiday spirit, anyways. Nah, it so, makes sense. Uh, but we did watch Independence Day. With uh, with Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum, so that's always a treat. Oh, that's a great movie. Well, I had to work on the Fourth of July, so it was pretty uneventful for me as well. Honestly, you didn't really miss much. Yeah, I mean, listen, fireworks Let's, are yeah. overrated. They really, they really are. Uh, no knock to the people who love Fourth of July. Uh, it's just not really one of my favorite holidays. But listen, you see one firework, you've seen them all. Say what though, man? My. Where I live, it looked like a war zone. It, on the, that's what L.A. On was. The morning of, on the morning of, yeah. Well, I mean, I live down, you know, in Hollywood. And uh, uh, Jacob thought you were it, talking about Washington. Oh, yeah. I still, <laughs> I still thought you were up there. Oh, uh, yeah. No, 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 you're, no. No, down here. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I was I was in the middle of it. And, 
dude, it was insane the amount of garbage and just like black ash everywhere. Oh and yeah, I saw. It was, it, it was it was nothing like I ever seen. And then you know, I saw that you know that video that went viral of just kind of like the L.A. landscape just. Oh, yeah. One of the news channels, uh, Helicopters, got a great aerial shot of the entire city. Fireworks just going off all at the same time. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, just because I know how big that area is, is just to see that amount of fireworks going off at once is insane. Yeah. And, I mean, listen, let's be real here. The fireworks in L.A., they've been going off since April. And they're At probably they, and they're still going to go off. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing fireworks yeah, in my neighborhood since April. Night. Yeah, they're yeah. still going off in my neighborhood. What scared the hell out of me though was on Sunday, so July fifth. It was at eight in the morning, and they were still popping them off. Dude, they were going till two o'clock in the morning on the fourth. You can't even see them in the broad daylight. So why even set them on? Those are just idiots. People love to hear shit go bang. <laughs> Literally, but anyway. Um, I, I mean, I don't really know how to transition to this now, but um, we were talking a little bit before the show, and um, we thought it would be important to bring up, especially given the climate of the world and what's been going on with recent events here in the United States. Uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before uh, Deshaun Jackson posted an Instagram story that had a quote from Hitler. Now, the fact that Deshaun Jackson would think that it is okay to quote, let alone misquote something Hitler said, because what he ended up quoting in that Instagram story was actually a fake quote. But the premise of trying to use Hitler, which then disrespects and offends the Jewish community as a way to uplift the black community and further a cause for social justice and equality. It's simply and purely anti-Semitic. And Stephen Jackson, who has been very vocal over the past few months during this fight for social justice and social equality and Black Lives Matter and all of that. The fact that Steven Jackson would go on to defend Deshaun Jackson and then double down today on Instagram and say that Deshaun Jackson was, quote, speaking the truth was equally anti-Semitic. And in my very honest and very blunt opinion... It completely invalidates all of the amazing, incredible, great work he has done for the black community after the murder of his friend George Floyd by a former Minneapolis police officer. And I know that many people in the Jewish community are outraged to witness the silence of a lot of professional athletes after the comments made by Deshaun Jackson and Steven Jackson, because Jewish people have been fighting alongside the black community since Abraham Joshua Heschel, Jewish theologian and philosopher, marched with Martin Luther King Jr. in the famous Selma March to Montgomery. 
Six million Jews were killed by the Nazis during the Holocaust, all because of who they were, what they looked like, and what they believed in. Jews like myself have been fighting to survive our entire existence. Am I surprised that not a lot of people in sports have been... Am I surprised that not a lot of people in sports that have been very vocal about social justice in recent weeks have not denounced what Deshaun and Steven Jackson said? Honestly, no, I'm not. But it needs to stop now. So honestly, I saw what Deshaun Jackson posted initially. um, But I think me and you were talking a little bit before the show I didn't really look too much into it when he said that. I knew what he said was was horrible, but hearing even even after Steven Jackson made a comment, I said, "Well, he's supporting him." I said, "He's going to look equally like a jackass." But I think what made me realize it fully did, was today when I heard Stephen A. Smith say something about it. And me and you talked about this before. I will, yeah, I but, honestly, I at first when I heard what Stephen A. Smith said, I was like, "Okay, yeah, he he kind of gets it," but. After talking with uh, a couple friends, and and one friend in particular, uh, my fraternity brother Nick Smith, he kind of showed me that what Stephen A. Smith was, what Stephen A. Smith said, what it didn't. Well, well you it, put it. Well, you put it best that he was tiptoeing around it. Yeah, he tiptoed around a lot of stuff. He didn't really. And and he's he's not one person to shy away from the from the uh, exactly the controversy. And, that, and that's what's surprising to me, which, which is weird. Yeah, and you put it best is that he was just kind of going around it. And so hearing the initial news um, and the post that Deshaun Jackson says to to then Stephen Jackson saying that you know don't make it that one race has suffered more than the other. His, I understand maybe what he was trying to get at, but he you put it best again. He doubled down and sided with Jackson, Deshaun Jackson. And and Deshaun Jackson has come out and given technically two apologies. He came out and said an apology, and it wasn't really an apology, and the Jewish community got really upset. The thing, the and, thing that I, I got about from that apology, I don't know if it's sincere or not. I really don't. I hope it is. But he comes out and says that he ha- he was just trying to educate people. Now, if you're trying to educate people, why are you why using are you, Hitler? Why are you using Hitler, and why are you misquoting something that's not even a real quote from somebody? Exactly. How is that educating somebody? Exactly. You're leading them down a different path. And somebody that has the platform that Deshaun Jackson has by doing that is very, very dangerous. Look, these athletes, they know that the internet, it's a very good thing, and it's also a very bad thing. It's one of the most toxic things in the world. It, yeah, it's a give and take. And it can go really bad if you post something or say something on a video, social media. It can go very wrong very fast. So for him to, to, for him to even come out and say that, whatever his message was, because I don't really think there was a message behind that. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I really don't. For him to say what he said, he just wasn't thinking. Like, he should probably yeah. educate himself before he even speaks. Yeah, I think uh, Deshaun's kind of in the same boat as as Drew Brees, where it was just completely tone deaf and just kind of just completely, like, baffling at the timing and why he would, you know. Can I stop you right there real quick, Tyler? Yeah. Just real quick. But you got to look at the response, like what the Jewish community is outraged about. Look at the response and the backlash Drew Brees got. 
where is that backlash yeah, for Deshaun Jackson? Well, and his message wasn't yeah. even that that bad compared to Jackson's. What he said, it was bad. Right. It was bad. But what I, he it, said, he was like, I think I'm not going to disrespect Jack- the flag. Right. I think what Deshaun Jackson said is worse than what Drew Brees 100 said. 100 times worse. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily mean like one was worse than the other. I just meant like the timing and the tone deafness of it. Yeah. No, 100% agree with like that. Baffling. Uh, and then, you know, to your point, I think there's a lot of factors in the response. I think. First of all, like with Stephen A. Smith, it's like he's trying to – I think why he came off like tiptoeing is because he's now trapped between, you know, what's going on in the country and, the, you know, kind of the race war that he's involved in being an African-American. And then now an African-American made a huge mistake. So it's like, oh, fuck, you know, like I'm trying to be on – you know, we're trying to be part of this movement. And now this, this piece that is part of the movement fucked up big time. I mean, no excuse. And so that's why, you know, that's Steve A. Smith specifically. But uh, also, you know, I didn't realize now, maybe this is because, you know, I'm so close to you. But, you know, as far as I saw on like social media was a lot of outrage. And then it was like on the news cycle this morning. But also, it wasn't anything near the response that Drew Brees got, which is what I think that you're upset about. And it's, and it's, you know, there's no real good excuse for it. I could, I could, you know, also say, you know, people are so focused on, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement that I think that that's also taking away from it uh, because people, just their energy isn't focused on it, which is wrong because, it, you know, what Deshaun did was wrong. Um, I'm just kind of trying, you know, basically thinking out loud as to what really is going on. No, for sure. And and here here's the thing, though. It's like, with with Deshaun Jackson and Steven Jackson trying to to further the Black Lives Matter movement and trying to to fight for social justice and social equality for for black people and and to fight police brutality and all of that to use like it it, it was just so misinformed and misjudged uh and ignorant to to use Hitler as the 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 example well, yeah, you're trying not, to use yeah. It's, it's you know yeah exactly you completely you completely missed the spot with this I mean you didn't you didn't even hit the fucking target let alone a bullseye right I mean you're so off, you're so off point with that you're you're completely right well it, it goes off not, what Stephen Jackson not, said not, too he said that there was in his statement backing Deshaun Jackson he said that there's no common sense. That right there is no common sense. Exactly. Leading off with a quote, a fake quote at that by Hitler, that's already lacking common sense. Come on. And let's and let's not forget that like l- let's not forget that yes, six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust, but eleven million people total were killed by the Nazis, black people included, LGBTQ plus community included, mentally and physically handicapped included, gypsies yeah. included, like there, it, yeah. Hitler hated black people just as much as he hated Jewish people. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's why it's just really too bad because we're fighting this fight already. It's very, you know, a very, uh, and that's, that's why, why, you know, why it hurts so bad is like the empathy that I believe that most Jewish Americans have towards African Americans. That's the connection is the empathy. They yeah, like feel for him. You we know, know what I mean? That's where it's like it's we've been through very it's similar like, injustices. Yeah, you guys feel it, and I think that that's where like kind of the 
the pain comes from all this. It's like, you know, why did you have to bring that in into the into the cards? Like, you know, that if that comment was ever made, there'd be, you know, it just doesn't make sense as to why you would say something like that. Right, you know? and like, and it's a complete lapse in judgment and. And, uh, but I, I do, I do get, you know, if you feel like the, the response hasn't been the same, then that's a whole different, you know, subject. Yeah. I mean, the, the most, one of the most poignant responses, L Duncan on ESPN had a great response. Um, but one of the most poignant responses, and it's, it's about a minute long and Jacob has it. He was able to find it real quick on the fly. Um, it was Michael Wilbon on Pardon, uh, pardon the interruption earlier today, and it it kind of is what sparked uh, my belief in what Stephen Jackson said in validating all of the good work that he has done, and it's it's because Michael Michael Wilbon believes the same thing. Well, my thoughts are pretty simple about this, Frank. This is not tolerable, and and you know I, I'm never, if ever, in favor of when somebody's on an active roster of suspension or fine or firing. No, no, no. Ridicule. Public ridicule. You're going... I mean, it undermines everything Stephen Jackson said so eloquently on behalf of Black Lives Matter. He has no credibility now. He's undermined his own previous good work with this garbage, and it's garbage. And so I, I know Stephen Jackson. I like him. And if I was sitting with him now, I've worked with him, I would say, Stephen, stop. You're wrong. You're not speaking any truth. You're going to have to become more familiar with the truth via history. And so let's read some. We'll read it together. This is insane. You are ruining. I mean, you're just ruining weeks of actually trying to appeal to people on one level and then bringing your own bigotry and prejudice in at a time where no one can afford to see that. No one can afford to have it, to entertain it. Stop it. And I don't know if he has people around him who will do that or not, Frank. So I, I thought what Michael Wilbon yeah. said was was really spot on, and I it's, mean it's it's hard to hear because you know I think I have a hard time really believing that you know there's bigotry in Stephen Jackson because of all the right. good things, and it's really hard for me to think that like to cancel all the good he's done because he's done so much good. You know, it's it's hard. I mean, it, it just sucks. You put. He put us all in kind of a hard spot. I think that part of it is because he's almost loyal to a fault to his cause, and he's going to defend, you know, Deshaun blindly no matter what. Yeah. Now, and- that's that's where he goes wrong, and, and that, that's not right. And it's like I think that that's what's happening. And he's just he's defending Deshaun blindly because, you know, he feels like that's the cause that he needs to defend, which is too bad because of, you know, what Wilbon just said. Yeah, and, like, listen, at the end of the day, do I think in their heart of hearts that Deshaun Jackson and Steven Jackson are racist or anti-Semitic or or anything like that? No, I, I don't. But what was said and what was done was, like I said before, misinformed, misjudged, ignorant. And there was an organization uh, that revolves around Holocaust uh recognition and um doing things for survivors and families of survivors and things like that they they've put out an invitation to deshaun jackson to go to a concentration camp in europe and uh they want him to go to auschwitz 
Auschwitz, and it's the uh, the most notorious concentration camp that Hitler used to exterminate just the one of the thou- Jews, uh, just the one of thousands that he can go to. Well, I mean, there's not thousands yeah, there are, anymore, well, yeah, but anymore. But I'm saying there's there's there was thousands of them. I mean, there there were a lot, but um, I hope Deshaun Jackson takes uh, accepts that invitation. I hope Stephen Jackson goes on that trip. Um, I hope that this uh, this can turn into an opportunity of of learning and and growth for these guys because that's that's what everybody has been been fighting for and been talking about this whole time these last couple of weeks not not couple of weeks these last couple of months really uh is learning and growing and becoming more aware and becoming more tolerant and more accepting of of other people and outside cultures outside religions outside beliefs from your own so i mean i don't know what's going to happen with deshaun jackson as far as his career i hope I hope he doesn't lose his career because I don't think anybody really deserves to lose their livelihood. But, I mean, the, the Eagles don't have a good track record with dealing with something like this, so who knows what can happen. No, and they've already made their statement saying that they didn't they didn't support it, you know, and they've already spoken to him. He's already come out and said that he's sorry and apologized, but... I truly don't... I don't know if it was a, so much of a sincere apology, and that... that I'm being honest, just because that's a bonehead mistake that he made. Again, you yeah. you see the the name Hitler, and you're going to already use his name on top of that a fake quote. That that's already a huge, huge mistake. Yeah. Why would you continue down that path? Yeah, no, it put every it put everybody in a tough spot. I mean, it's just it's just the wrong time for for this kind of shit. Totally. So People right. need to be unified, you know. It's just more division, which is, you know, not what we want. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, let's. Um, I don't know. I guess transition as best we can now into what we were originally going to talk about tonight. Well, and better NFL news. Yeah, better <laughs> NFL news. Patrick Mahomes getting the bag. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs agreed to a new contract extension. It is a 10-year contract extension that would be added on to the remaining two years Mahomes has left on his rookie deal. Mahomes could end up earning $502.63 million over the next 12 years if he were to hit all of his incentives in this contract. This is the first half-billion-dollar contract given to a player in sports, making it also the largest contract in sports history. There is $141.43 million guaranteed over the next 12 years if he were to hit all of his incentives. And he received $63.08 million at his signing. So his signing bonus, guaranteed money, for this 10-year extension, $63.08 million. If he reaches all of his incentives, the guaranteed money for this contract will be $1.4.43 million. And if he reaches all of the incentives in his rookie deal and the new 10-year deal, 
total he could earn $502.63 million. The only way that happens is if he leads Kansas City to the Super Bowl and wins league MVP for 10 years straight. Oh, my God. That's not happening. <laughs> it's crazy. So what, uh, what 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 do we think of this? It uh I think I'm like finally man, this this is what athletes this is the kind of shit athletes should be getting. You know what I mean? I think I think the next step after this is that these franchise type players need to eventually start getting ownership shares. And that's kind of like where we're progressing to. I think that people are making too big of a deal of this in the sense that this should be the norm. This is how they should be paid. I think this is what they're worth. And uh, I'm just happy to see it finally happening. And Mahomes is the perfect guy to get it done. I think there's a ton of basketball players worth this money. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks headed this way. I mean, for me, I think, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it. It's like, all right, Patrick Mahomes gets this $500 million deal. But then it's like he plays football. There's no way he's going to go to the Super Bowl and win league MVP 10 straight years and get all 502 Yeah, he's definitely not going to get all the incentives. So it's like I don't know why people are making such a big deal out of this. Yes, I believe Patrick Mahomes is right now the greatest quarterback in the NFL today. He is the number one quarterback in the league right now, in my opinion. He cemented that legacy or that status year three from what he's done from winning league MVP and technically year two of him playing. Yeah, exactly. Cause he sat out his first year. This is only his second year playing, but it's like, I don't understand why people are making a big deal out of like he, he, it's not a $500 million contract. He's not going to get that. It's a, no, but I mean, 400, 400, it's just the, it's just the first time people have seen that number. You know what I mean, and so it's a big it's a big deal because it's kind of just eye popping. I know that you know that he's not going to get all those incentives, but you know, four hundred mil, five hundred mil, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, it's for sure crazy, and it's, I mean, it's, it's top it's athlete it should though, be. Man. I mean, so you don't think you don't think the Chiefs will regret this decision? I mean, look at nah, look at man. the look at the trend of franchise quarterbacks though that. Listen, that we listen, have the, fan, the, fan, the fans of Kansas City. There's a high possibility that they'll be disappointed, but they're coming at it the wrong way. I mean, you just, I just believe that athletes are worth so much more. Like they are getting paid a lot, but they're worth even like more than what they're getting paid. Especially star athletes selling jerseys. I mean, what you do to the local economies, you know, the TV, the billion dollar TV deals. The, you know, the jersey sales, the ticket sales. It's just like they just bring in so much revenue for you. I mean, it's like one player can change a franchise for a decade, and that's so much money coming in. You know what I mean? So 40, 50 mil to me is like, yeah, let's, let, he's worth it. I mean, I think that if he's healthy, they have now they're a contender for 10 years in a row. You know, and it's like he's going to I truly believe he'll win another Super Bowl and win another MVP. I, I would know, agree so with that. I, I also believe that quarterbacks hit their prime at like 29, 30 years old. 
So I don't, you know, yes, there's always the injury thing, but I just don't see him petering off into mediocrity. You know, like I, I don't even know how to, you know, who I would compare it to. I just, but for I, me, I just can't see him finishing this contract in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, they. He doesn't have to, you know. It could be a bargaining chip and a business deal, uh, but Mahomes is going to get paid. He's going to get taken care of, and that's, you know, ultimately that's just like a for a career payment. He's going to be all right and get what he actually deserves. So I have the the top five largest contracts, uh, valued contracts in sports history. Patrick Mahomes is number one now at five hundred and three million dollars. Over ten years at fifty point three million dollars per year with the Chiefs. Mike Trout, previous number one, now number two at four hundred and twenty six million dollars over twelve years, thirty five point five per year with the Angels. Canelo Alvarez signed an eleven fight deal with uh that streaming service DeZone for uh three hundred and sixty five million dollars, which is thirty three point two million dollars per fight. Bryce Harper at four at $330 million over 13 years, $25.3 million per year with the Phillies. And then number five, Giancarlo Stanton. He signed a 13-year, $325 million deal with the Marlins, and that is now being paid by, of course, the New York Yankees. Now, Tyler, you said something a little bit ago about how there are – athletes you would pay like half a billion dollars to right now so who yeah who would they be well Giannis for sure I mean like if I was Milwaukee I would throw the entire the entire house at him I mean I would try like like I said I would even throw an ownership and you know as like hey if you live out this contract you're gonna get you know eight percent of the Milwaukee bucks or Whatever, whatever that business deal is, it's just like if you can make us a brand, like you know, in the last dance, when he's just like, when he's just like Chicago was nothing. I just want to make him like a team that people are proud to play for, like the Sixers and the Celtics and the Lakers. It's just like if you got a player like Giannis, they can make the Bucks, you know, one of those prestigious teams of all time. He's worth that money, especially in basketball. I mean, I think basketball players got to be worth the most and and then it's like you know quarterbacks and baseball players are kind of similar but um, any of these superstars that are anywhere in their like mid to early 20s if you think that you got a piece like Zion or you know I don't even know I mean it's like if you if if we're talking like three years ago with Lillard in Portland it's just like if you think you got someone that could be like your franchise I think giving them that money and those years, that's why we'll never, you know, they just don't give out 10-year contracts. It's just like, but I would throw them at a, a, a number of basketball players at a number of different times. There's like, there's probably, you know, a half dozen every year that are going to be flirting with, you know, that kind of money just to keep it as like, it's a huge, I think it's a huge bargaining chip to keep a player in a franchise and franchises are worth the money. They can pay the money. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess Giannis is like the big, 
the the big example I would say right now. Luka Doncic uh, is another guy that's like got to throw as much money at him as possible. Um, I don't know. I mean, Jacob, is are there any athletes you would make give a half a billion dollar contract to over ten plus years? At first, I was thinking about it, and I didn't I didn't really have any names come to mind. But now that Tyler mentioned it, Giannis is probably the most comparable just by age and his skill set at, at like year three, year four into the league. And I think that, that that is one person, if you were to give a similar contract to, it would be him. He has gotten you to the playoffs. He kind of has proved himself already. And he is kind of that prototype for his position. And in some ways, he's also changed his position too because now – you have to throw different positions at him to guard him because he's too he's too fast for some of the bigs and he's too big for some of the uh, the threes. Uh, but he is probably the only name I can think of. Now, a player like Zion, I think it's too early to give him a contract like this just because you don't know what he can do yet. You've seen flashes of it. But I think in the case of Patrick Mahomes is that he sat out his first year and by his second year, he was already in the playoffs. He was one, one league MVP. Yeah, he was one game away from the Super Bowl and then redeemed himself this year, not only getting to the Super Bowl, but how he got to the Super Bowl. He was down in all of his games. Yeah. And I think that just shows uh, the Chiefs and the league that this is why he's worth this contract. Yeah, I guess, I've, you know, with the NBA players, it's just like it's not necessarily Zion next year, but if it was set up to where it's like, all right, you play out your rookie contract, and then, like, you sign your first veteran contract. You know, if you're 25 coming into your third contract, you know, it's like how do you reward this type of, like, franchise cornerstone? That's, like, when you offer the deal. That's why it's just always to be, depending on what year it is, who's going to be up for, like, the max deal. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because you guys both think there are athletes deserving of – Half a, very far few. Yeah, I no, will say that. But listen, you, you think there are a few, yeah, that are deserving of a half a billion dollar contract. For me, you got like if you got a quarterback that's like under 26, 27, and he wanted a Super Bowl, it's like hey, those people are just so valuable. No, Patrick Patrick Mahomes is getting this contract at the right exact moment of his career in the trajectory that it's on. Like he's completely deserving of what he's getting but for me especially looking towards the future and the world that we're in right now it'd be hard for me as an owner to give out a long-term high like high money um so you're saying a long-term deal yeah a a long-term deal that has a lot of money um, All right, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What do you have a bigger issue with, five hundred and three million, or, or ten years? Like if you could if you could do it for less years, you know, with the same money, then would it be like more approachable? So say it's like if you got so say Russell just signed his what last I year. I think it's I think it's the long term like commitment. I think I think it like is the if, you know, I, I, yeah I think it is the long term commitment. I think because. Because, like I said before, I don't see Patrick Mahomes finishing his career as a Kansas City Chief, looking at the trajectory and the the pattern of professional sports over the past few years. We don't see many guys. But, but, 
But if you're a Chiefs, you don't worry. If you're the Chiefs, you don't worry about him finishing the contract. That's not. It's because it's a per year thing. I mean, you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Every year you're going to have a salary cap. So it's basically just like every year is there. You set up the contract to pay him a certain amount. That's why you extended it to ten years. I mean, you can you can trade him. You know, eventually. I and think. that's why there's incentives in it as but well. But the type of the type of restrictions that this is going to put on the team. Yeah, the, in, in terms of build, willing to take a contract. But look at look at what's happening with the Rams. They cashed out all this money to players, and it hasn't worked. Well, that's just, that just ha- I mean that happens to a lot of teams. I mean, there's a ton of teams out there in the history that forked out cash that it didn't work out. I, don't I mean, know. not you know, not I don't think it's always. I think a lot of times maybe it's due to injury. I mean, look at the Lakers when they had Peyton and Malone. Or the Lakers when they had Nash and Dwight, it's like they're forking out a lot of cash. Or the Brooklyn Nets when they had oh, Garnett, man. you know, they're for they're forking out a ton of money for these stars. But sometimes shit just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It, it's it, that's I think that's a little different. I just think like from a, if the years to me are in the franchise's favor, the money is in the players' favor. I guess that's how I look at it. Interesting. In okay. Nutshell. That so, make, so uh, like, no, no. When you when you say it like that, though, that makes sense. That the that the what, years are are what the the team is yeah, caring what, about. What, what do they care? What do they care if years? You know, if he plays years eight, nine, and ten. You know what I mean? It doesn't. They're they're paying him on a year basis. They don't have to finish off the contract if they trade him. Right. And what do they, they care about buy, years eight, nine, and ten when he's probably out, not going to be you know? as productive? Or or he might still be the man. You just never I, know. Right. But, well, but what I was going to say was, like, with Russell Wilson, it's like when we signed him, I think he was either 29 or 30. It's like I would have given him six years, half a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Like, if I could, if the money was there and, and that we could make it work for six years, you know, obviously they're, they're, if contracts like this are going to be more normal, the salary cap rule has got to change. Or, you know, that's obviously going to hamstring you big time. But, I, I think he's worth it, you know what I mean, when it comes to the worth. Now, strategic with the salary cap, is it that smart? I don't know. But I'm just saying, that, you know, I think that the, these quarterbacks and stuff are worth the money for sure. Yeah, now, I mean, the, years are, the years are always, you know, kind of skeptical. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of players that, like, throughout history that I would have given, like, at their peak in their prime, a half a billion dollar contract to, and it's probably – Maybe five okay, so, to seven people. So Kobe coming off of his second contract, easily getting half a bill. Rings. Easily getting yeah, ha- okay. easily getting five hundred mil. Yeah. So there's these points in time. I mean, I think Lillard's another good one. When Lillard signed his back deal, it's like you need Lillard. You need a superstar in Portland. Lillard's a small school, chipping our shoulder guy. It's been perfect. It's like that's a good deal for them because they're not valuable without players like him. You yeah. know what I mean? That's why it's like the money to me is all. Yeah, good. I think the Cavs should like. I think the Cavs should have been able to give LeBron at like at after his second contract a five hundred million dollar deal to try and keep him there, so he didn't go to Miami. And he's a good example of why it's like, man, these guys should get ownership. I mean, like Jerry Buss gave Magic did? Johnson ownership back in the day. He signed him to a twenty five year deal at twenty five million dollars with an ownership stake. Yeah, dude, and that's that's genius because you built the brand. It's like 
how much did Dirk Davinsky do for the Mavericks brand? You know what I mean? He played for 20 fucking years. You know, so it's like, I think that um, this has been a good step forward, and there's definitely athletes out there that are deserving of the money. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I think Mahomes definitely deserves all, like, I'm very much for the players getting all the money that they possibly can because at the end of the day, professional athletes have a very small window to make their entire livelihoods wealth. So they, they need, they need to maximize on, on the time and the money that, that they can get. So I guess I kind of just talked myself out of my argument uh, against it. If he gets fat and lazy, then it's, it's like, it's the chief's fault, you know, like who cares? Yeah, no, the well, Chiefs, the Chiefs yeah. are the one that offered it. He He's just the one that accepted yeah. it. They've already made so much money off of them, you know. I'm good with it. Yeah. What does this do for Dak now, though? Dak Prescott. Man, Dak's weird to me. I think people are smoked for thinking that he's even in the same category. category. I, I completely gonna, agree. I There's no way Dak gets anything close to this. I I just don't. I don't get, I don't get where it Dak thinks he has the bargaining chip to ask for forty mil a year. Hundred percent doesn't make any. He doesn't I'll, deserve I'll, this I'll kind of money. I see him at half that. I mean, he's a young quarter. He's a good young quarterback. Obviously, a leader. They obviously like him. So it's like, man, I I would sign him four years, eighty mil. Like that's a fucking good contract. But you know, he wants top. You know, top three, number one money and. I don't get. I don't get why. I, I just. I don't yeah, get why. Not that. I don't know if it's just if it's just a long con to get the you know get overpaid at some point, but um, it doesn't make sense because he hasn't done shit for that. That Dallas team is so talented. I mean, those the last three years they should have done something with him uh, if you wanted to get paid like that. Yeah, I don't see why he thinks he's deserving of a contract like that. I think what gets mixed up is that. People often confuse who's the uh, the leader of that offense. Is it him or is it Zeke? In my eyes, I've always thought it was Zeke. I've never thought it was Dak. He's yeah, he, he's, he's a big component to the changer. offense, but I think I think Zeke is the game changer on that team. You know, yeah, and it's it's a, it's a it's a day and age line. where uh, yeah, the offensive line too. But it's a day and age where you know it's funny you don't really put all your marbles in the back for for a running back, but Zeke is the game changer and I don't think it's Dak. Yeah, I think Dak's solid, but I just don't think he's in that tier tier one type of payment kind of guy. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's transition now to some basketball talk. I know we, we got a little bit into basketball there with some t- contracts, but to some actual basketball that is going to be played in just a couple of weeks down in Orlando, Florida. We got uh we started it last week with the list of players not going to Orlando based off of various uh reasons for uh concern over health, coronavirus, injury, social injustice, all of that. So Jacob, you got the list? Yeah, I don't know if it was uh, if we updated it last week, but Spencer Dinwiddie is was he a new one, or was he, he one that we he, had last week? Well, he had tested positive no, he's, he's for. New, so. 
It was up in the air last week if you was going to. Right. Yeah, because he so, was still waiting on the test. Right. He had right. tested positive for coronavirus, had symptoms, and was going through the process of obviously trying to get better and get healthy from it. Um, but he wasn't able to pass the protocol in which the NBA has put in place to go to Orlando. So, yeah, now Spencer Dinwiddie will not be going to Orlando with the Brooklyn Nets. And Brooklyn, I think, is honestly taking the biggest hit, it looks like, in terms of players not going to Orlando. They have DeAndre Jordan, who's not going. Um, Kyrie was already out. Kyrie and KD were obviously already out. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is out. And I think there's one or two more players. Wilson Chandler is another one. Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, Torian Prince, DeAndre Uh, Jordan, and Wilson Chandler as well. Dimwitty, yep. Right. There's four of them. So, yeah, so it's those four. Right. Dimwitty, Torian Prince, um, DeAndre Jordan. And then who was the last one? Oh, Wilson Chandler. Yeah, Wilson, yeah, Chandler. yeah Wilson Chandler was the last one. So Yeah, so they got four four guys out, and then plus, obviously, Kyrie and KD are out, too. Right. So they're obviously missing a ton of firepower. Now, the NBA, because of the circumstances is giving teams the opportunity to sign replacement players for players that are not going to the bubble. And we explained it last week on the show. If you missed it, you can go back and check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in at TSK show uh, in the search bar. So to replace some of the players that will not be going to the bubble, it was announced earlier today that the Nets were signing Jamal Crawford and then about time i will say that and then breaking news in the middle of us recording uh we were talking a little bit ago uh, i saw a notification pop up on my phone and it said the nets were also signing kansas state's own michael beasley fuck yeah <laughs> this team is gonna be so fun to watch it's like a summer league team this nets team so we're going to see. They got, they got Jared Allen, Joe Harris. Shout out Lake Chelan, Washington. They got, and, and then is Karis LeVert playing? Yeah, Karis LeVert's playing. So, so Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen are like the only real Nets playing. Yeah. And then they, they got a ton of other guys out. And now they got Jay Crossover and Beasley. They just got some guys to get some shots up. Yeah, no, I mean they needed they needed shooting, they needed uh, defense, which Michael Beasley's hopefully going to provide. Honestly, they needed anything they could scrap up. So <laughs> let's let's be completely honest here, and they got it with two players uh, like that. Yeah, I don't even know why. Like, man, some of these teams are just like, oh my god, why are they even going? Yeah, I we talked about it when they announced how they. Um, decided what teams were going. I get that they needed a, a tune-up and they wanted uh, the playing games potentially and, and the tune-up with the eight games in the regular season and all of that, and so they needed more teams than just the playoff teams. But in my opinion, you could have just done the eight-game tune-up regular season with the 16 playoff teams and then just gone to the playoffs. Yeah, but they wanted to make it fair and whatnot. So no, they wanted is, Zion. Yeah, this is Yeah, this is what they wanted. Well, no, and I, I get it. I'm, I'm definitely glad that they did more than just the eight teams, but 
it's just like the team should be able to like I mean I guess you're not gonna you're not gonna fold if you don't have to, but and this Nets team is looking bad. Yeah. Did you see that the the eight teams not going to Orlando might potentially create a bubble in Chicago and play some games? Yeah, that's just that just doesn't that seems like an unnecessary risk. Yeah, like I, I is Steph Curry and Clay Thompson gonna go to Chicago no, and play in this? Not. That, that to me is that to me is already loser kind of bubble. Yeah, which I, I, I like the idea that, initially that they were gonna have the player that the teams that were not gonna go to the Orlando bubble still have the open practice facilities in their states and work out there. But the fact that they want to, or they're even flirting with the idea of going to Chicago and having another bubble—that's just stupid. I thought it was funny. Whoever tweeted out that they were like going to be Cavs Lakers or Cavs Warriors four, and then everyone was like, "Dude, you are, you guys already played four times. It'd be Cavs Warriors five. <laughs> I forget who did it because they were like they had the right idea, you know? Like, yeah. And the second second bubble would be Cavs and Warriors, but they said it'd be Cavs Warriors four, not five. Oh man, but no, I. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, if they do this loser bubble in Chicago with the other eight teams, it's exactly what the Orlando bubble is, and it's a money grab. It's an even – God, it's an even dumber <laughs> money grab. It's like it's, – it's just so unnecessary. Um, I, I hope that uh, – whatever. I, I'm not worried about that. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But, I mean, so – all right, Jamal Crawford – off the list of potential replacements, he's back in the league. Michael Beasley, off the list of potential replacements for teams, he's back in the league. Who else are we going to see uh, back in the league? Do, do we think any other? Uh, I got to hope. I got to hope Nate Rob gets in there. Yeah, Nate Rob and Isaiah he, Thomas. Yep. Just because he wants in. Um, I just I don't know any of the big guys that are available. That's like. I can't think of any like wing players or big guys that are like available right now. Yeah, but all right. Also in the Orlando bubble, the NBA and the players have come to an agreement to allow players to replace their last names on the back of their jerseys with social justice sayings and phrases. I have the list of all the phrases that are approved to go on the back of jersey, so I'll just read them real quick. The list goes as follows. Black Lives Matter, say their names, vote, I can't breathe, justice, peace, equality, freedom, enough, power to the people, justice now, say her name, si se puede, which is yes we can in Spanish, liberation, see us, hear us, respect us, Love us, listen, listen to us, stand up, ally, anti-racist, I am a man, speak up, how many more, group economics, education reform, and mentor. Now, Chris Haynes last night on NBA on TNT, because they started doing their regular Tuesday-Thursday shows again, I believe, to ramp back up and get back in the spirit of basketball, Chris Haynes had reported uh, a number of players have revealed what they're going to have on the back of their jerseys. So I wanted to to let the people know 
what some of the players were doing. Rudy Gobert is not going to have Gobert on the last uh, on the back of his jersey. He's going to have the word equality. C.J. McCollum will replace McCollum with education reform. Yusuf Nurkic will replace Nurkic with equality. Kent Bazemore is going to replace Bazemore with education reform. Matisse Thibel is replacing Thibel with vote. Pat Connaughton is replacing Connaughton with equality. Myers Leonard is also replacing Leonard with equality. Avica Zubats is replacing Zubats with enough. And Mo Wagner is replacing Wagner with vote. I think this is a great idea in terms of the players and the league coming together and coming up with an idea on how to incorporate the message of what the players have been fighting for and trying to get across over the last few months. Uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I just, uh, I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, um, I, my issues, I think, you know, it's cool that they have an opportunity to do something. So I mean, something yeah, and they're not nothing. forced to do it. It's up to the player. I, they, but it's just, I just think it's kind of an empty gesture. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like walk behind the talk. I mean, I think, like I said before, I think we're past just having t-shirts and, you know, that's why I've, I, you know, I really think that, you know, them not playing would have been the best way to go. But um, also I don't like the, I, how restrictive they were um, with the list of, you know, not being able to put victims names because I think that the the fight is rooted in, you know, police brutality towards African Americans, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of where it all started. So for them not to be able to put, uh, you know, Breonna Taylor's name or anything like that, like them xing that off the list, I thought that was kind of in poor taste because that's that's direct and that's kind of in your face. You know yeah. what I mean? That's like, hey, you know this. They're they're still out there free. The killers are still out there free. So, um, I, I think it is a good thing because, like I said, something's better than nothing. But I just feel like we're past doing stuff like this, and um, we're ready to see the NBA and owners really fork up cash and fork up, you know, kind action. of labor. L- yeah, labor action. So, yeah, um, you know, no. I can't breathe. T-shirts aren't going to do it. Yeah, well, very, well said. Um, I think it's a great first start, but I think I'm going to have to agree with Tyler though. Like you, they're painting it with a, with a broad brush in the sense where they're just giving these players a list of, of what they can have on their Jersey. And I think that's a, again, that's a great start, but being able to have the freedom in it, choosing what you want to have on the back of your Jersey to support a social cause. I think that's important. And they took that away. You know, they're just, they're, they're still limiting what the players can do. And I know players have an issue with that. I've already heard players speak out, you know, negatively about them not being able to express themselves and, you know, support a social movement by specifically narrowing in on a certain name or a cause. Uh, But again, it's a good start. But where does it go from here? That's that's what I want to see. There's still more to be done. Uh, Exactly. There's still more. But I just want to see how this is going to get the ball rolling. And if it does, because who knows? What if the league just stops it at, at this, which I doubt they would. But you just don't know. What if this is the extent that they're willing to go to? Yeah, no doubt. 
So, all right, we're uh, we're what two weeks away from uh, the bubble. It, as it get as it gets closer, I have wishful thinking, but I just I I hope it works. But then we've all said on the show that we don't want it to start. We never wanted it to start. But I think as it gets closer, you just want to see how it's going to unravel and how it's going to look. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a a very interesting. It, it's going to be very interesting to witness, and it's it's going to be great to look back on and find out all of the behind-the-scenes stuff because I'm sure there's going to be some sort of documentary crew down there for some production company or some player or something. We're going to see what what happened in the bubble 10, 15, 20 years down the line, and we're, we're already kind of yeah, seeing it yeah. on social media with the, the meal pictures that some, uh, we've you think, seen. I don't know if, if if you haven't seen this meal. You have to go to Troy Daniels. It's it's, it's the fire Festival meal, basically. Yeah, it's a cup of watermelon, a soup, a bag of, like, pita chips. You think that's going to feed, like, a 260-pounder? You know, yeah, it's, uh, these are professional uh, athletes here. There's no way. Uh, who was it that was just, like, brawny eating this? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I I saw that too. I forget who it was, but like, yeah, there's no yeah. way. It was some role player. Like, it was so much funny as hell. I was like, oh god, that's funny. Oh, I think it was uh, it was Isaiah Thomas. Was it Isaiah? Yeah, that's who it was. It was Isaiah. That's funny. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't see them surviving off of kids' meals for what four months, three months. Yeah, there had to have been more food coming because, like, on the card. It mentioned like pasta and chicken and fish. Right. So you know apparently, I mean? apparently, what had come out was there. There was an update from insiders that are either in the bubble or have sources in the bubble and, and whatnot. But apparently, it's it's those are the meals the first couple of days just to, to kind of get acclimated to the bubble and quarantine and all of that. But the there will be actual like legit meals that the players will be getting. Uh, provided by chefs from Disney and all of that, and I'm sure it will be up to the standard uh, that an NBA professional athlete would need because I don't think this agreement would have been agreed to no, if, it, if that, that's the case. It's definitely not sustainable, whatever these upscale Lunchables are for these players. They're not going to be well-fed well, through the season. I read that it was designed to be packaged that way just for the first two weeks during quarantine. Yeah, exactly. And then once you broke quarantine, it could be... Yeah, so I mean, I think it, it 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 was it was it was a really funny post. That's definitely. I would hope to think that he got more food than that. Uh, but maybe it was his first meal. The comparison is hilarious. That's uh, super yeah, funny. Just just the initial shock factor of the the post. It it was also just like, well, yeah, Troy. This is what happens when you go from the Lakers to the Nuggets. That's that's the kind of treatment you're gonna get. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> So, all right, that uh, that wraps up the the bubble talk. We got, uh, like I said, a couple more weeks till we got uh, live NBA basketball. But uh, real quickly before we wrap it up, Jacob brought this to my attention, and I didn't even realize it was today. But today is the ten year anniversary of LeBron's decision. So uh, Jacob thought it would be kind of a good idea to to have a discussion on the impact that that moment had. And let's be real. That is one of the biggest moments in sports history. Like every sports fan remembers where they were 
when the decision happened. So, Tyler, I'll ask you first. Where were you when the decision happened? Uh, I was at my house, um, the house I grew up in, in Shaw, Washington. Um, and uh, I can't remember who I was with, though, to be honest with you, but I can just remember just being so pissed because I was just so adamantly sure that he was staying in Cleveland. So was I. Uh, that was uh, that was a crazy that was a crazy moment, but uh, I definitely think it was the LeBron moment, not like a basketball moment. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily like changed anything, but what it did was it changed everything for LeBron. Yeah, it's it's and what Miami. Were, yeah, it's what made him a villain. I hated him for it. So did I. I was right up that alley too. And everybody hated him for it. And it's just like, you know, in retrospect, it's like, why? You know, but uh, it was because of how he went about it. And it was a huge, I think it was the one, it's the one blunder of his career. And that's why I think it's, that moment is more of a LeBron moment than an NBA moment. Because, you know, it's one of their greatest, the greatest players of all time, biggest fumble. Yeah. And he could have chose, like, if he would have chose to go to Miami, you know, two months earlier, it would have been a completely different story, and I don't think you would have became the villain. Yeah, and I mean, it, really, I think it's just the way he went about the whole thing is what rubbed everybody yeah, the wrong yeah. way. 100%. That is absolutely right. So, Jacob, where were you when the decision happened? Same. I was at home. Uh, I remember hearing about Chris Bosh signing initially uh, with Miami, and then it was, I think, a day later or so that LeBron was going to have his special. And I already thought it was kind of, you know, ego-centered that he was going to have his own hour special for just to say where he was going to go play the following year. So I already I didn't know if he was going to stay with Cleveland. I will I will say that. I thought he was he had the option to leave, but I also thought, why would he leave Cleveland? So but, you weren't set on the fact that you, he was going to stay in Cleveland? Yeah, I, w- I was kind of torn 50-50. I was like, he has good reason to leave Cleveland because look at the pieces he's been surrounded w- with. And let's right. be honest, he played with crappy players. Right, they got to the finals. They got swept by the, the Spurs. He hadn't had uh, been back to the finals since and had been in many playoff battles in the East. Yeah, and he didn't have, he didn't have help. And prior to that, he failed to fulfill everybody's wishes to get to the finals and play and match up against Kobe and the Lakers. And then in 2010 failed to do that again. So I think going into it, I looked at it as, well, he has the right to leave, but then why would he leave? You know, that's a, uh, a franchise that betted on him. But when he made the decision to ultimately play, I was like, man, I really hate this guy. And I think seeing those first two years in Miami, I, I just despised him and I just didn't like the team. I, but again, it's everybody's going to say the same thing. It's how he did it. As an athlete, as an American here in, in, in this country, you have the right to choose what you want to do. In a free market exactly. society, you can yeah, pick it, and choose whatever job you want to go work. It is your choice 100%. But it's just how he went about it. Yeah. It's just how he went about it and the whole team when they had that big, um, what was it, uh, at their arena. Oh, they had the, and, um, the it was like a pep rally, it basically. Was like, yeah. It, honestly, it's the best way to put it. It was like a pep rally where they brought all three of them out. With smoke and not music, five, not six, yeah, and not seven. That quote will forever live with them. But I think seeing them through those four years together, you just did not like the Heat. And that first year, I'll be honest as well. The Mavs swept the Lakers, and I'm a Laker fan. And they they wiped up the floor with the Lakers, sent them home packing in like a horrible Andrew fashion, giving that yeah. forearm <laughs> Poor JJ to Barea. JJ Barea midair. <laughs> But I was rooting for the Mavs in that finals. Oh, yeah. And I, I was think in a, a lot of people were. 
that finals against the Mavs, I went to the East Coast for my cousin's bar mitzvah. And the night that they the Mavs won the championship in Dallas against Miami, our flight had been canceled and postponed to the next day. The airline had to put us up in a hotel and all the stuff because of weather and all all this madness. And we literally got to the hotel in the fourth quarter, and I we went to the hotel restaurant, me and my family, and I made sure to tell the uh, host at the restaurant to put us at a table where we could see the TV because I wanted yeah, wanna, to see. Yeah, you want to watch the Heat lose. I want exactly. I wanted <laughs> to see LeBron lose, and so going back now for me where I was at the decision, I was like I said with my family eating dinner. We uh, we would sometimes watch TV during dinner, and that night because I knew the decision was on, I made my parents put the TV on ESPN. So we could watch the decision, and I just remember watching with my family, and I, like Tyler and the rest of America besides you, I guess, Jacob, thought he was going to stay in Cleveland, and when he said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, I was just floored. But see, for some reason, I thought he had a valid point to go to Chicago. I never thought he was going to the Knicks. I really didn't think he would go to an organization like that, because... For some reason, I don't know what's so fascinating about the Knicks. We've always talked about them on the show. It's, it's been a, it's, no, it's, it's New been York. A, it's, it, yeah, it's been a dysfunctional organization since the '90s. It always has. It's it's the allure of being in New York, yeah. and the number one market in the country, in the world, and but, all but for, of that. But, but for people to say that that was an option, I really didn't believe that. I did believe a little bit of Chicago. I said, well, he could mat- he could pair up with Derrick Rose. I think that's a good pairing right there. They but have D Wade would have gone home. Yeah, D Wade would have gone home. They had Noah already. They still had Luol Deng, I believe. So I thought maybe he could have gone there. But I think as it got closer to the decision, I didn't really know where he was going to go. Miami was kind of like, I think it was below Chicago as far as I was concerned. But it, when he initially said it, I was I was pretty shocked. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say the decision and the big three created in Miami, that kind of kicked off the, the super team era. But I I always say it was the, the 07-08 Celtics that started the super team era with, while I know it wasn't designed by the players themselves to all play together. I think that's what they mean though, by super teams being compiled together by players choice. But Danny Ainge, who was GM of the Celtics at the time and still is, and Kevin McHale, who was uh, GM of the Timberwolves at the time. And also Danny Ainge's former teammate, during the Celtics uh, run in the 80s, the Timberwolves gifted Kevin Garnett basically to the Celtics. Let's be real here, folks. So, I mean, to me, that Boston team is like the first super team. I I consider them a big three, obviously, and a a super team to an extent, but I think... I think the way this Heat team was constructed were they they knew they were going to be the villains going into this, 100%. Yeah, I, I, just, I just always felt like they were super teams. I, I don't think – I never really felt like it was something new. I mean, I grew up – my first, you know, my first experience with the NBA was the late 90s and, and fucking Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, I heard, I heard stories of, you know, Magic and – 
Kareem and, you know, Worthy and you got Bird, McHale and Parrish and, you know, and then in the 60s you got the – it's like there's always a sub-dominant team. And I think they typically, you know, odds are they're a big market because you need some sort of – one of the pieces typically is a free agent, you know, uh, and then – or a good trade. And then you know you need some sort of like high draft pick. So well, but that's the thing um, with those. That's the thing with those older teams that you mentioned, like uh, the Lakers. They drafted worthy and, tra- and, Magic. and traded for people, right? Uh, the Celtics. They drafted all those guys. Uh, the Bulls drafted Michael and Scotty. Uh, well, the 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 Celtics didn't draft a lot of those role players. So not the role I mean, players, but the main it, core pieces. Yeah. But I don't think that they drafted Robert Parrish or Kevin, or Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was drafted and, by the by the Celtics, and he and he may be. But uh, I'm just saying, like you need typically there's some sort of there's some sort of like piece there already, which is like your high like your Dwayne Wade, and then there's got to be a free agent signing, and typically there's some sort of good relationship involved, whether it be like players and the you know in the case of like the the heat or like you know gms in the case of boston it's like there's always some sort of super team like Shaq teamed up with kobe even though like kobe wasn't that piece of the time it, you know they, they they were a super team you know yeah. uh so I, I that's why i mentioned you know i think that the lebron decision was more of a was more of a lebron story than an nba story it's not i don't think he set any trend that wasn't already there you know. I think no, I think he did only because this was the first time you saw a team get constructed by the players dictating it. Right. Where, where, I, where previous years there was trades, maybe they got one free agent assigned there and then they kind of well, you know I pieced mean, it together. But, it, right. but this was really them all coming together and finally saying, All right, we're gonna make this team work and let's make a finals run at it. Because sparked, look at years look at years down the line. It sparked the player empowerment era. Yeah, yes, and, and that and that definitely may be, but I think that that's more indicative of the time of, you know, being a social media and being superstars and being close to these players. Um, we're seeing it more. We just, you know, I, like Michael Jordan, you know, he, he vetoed trades. You know what I mean? I think that there were, there was probably player transactions more often than we realize in history. They're just not, you know, well known, I guess. Well documented. Now, uh, that what, but that 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 Miami deal was also just like Chris Bosh didn't necessarily, you know, pick where he was going. You know what I mean? It's not there is a GM involved. Yeah. I definitely yeah. think that the players are involved. But what's like, so what's like the new team where it's like players picked picked and made it? You know? Yeah. Now, like the Lakers with Ant Braun is that like. You know what? What are the guy? What are the te- what are the super teams that have been made after the East that were like player forged? Well, see, that's why I think that it it kind of changed the way the league is now. Because Harden and or, uh, Westbrook and Paul George, Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, because now uh, you can flat yeah, out say, so, "Hey, uh, I want to okay, play see. with somebody else," and then you can demand a trade and say, "I'm not signing the, to any other team." So you could trade me to that other team, but I'm not going to play with them after the after my contract expires. So that's why you have players now dictating where they want to go. 
I'm just saying I don't think he sparked some sort of trend that's like been successful or been dominant. No, it wasn't something that we hadn't seen before, know. but I think that it was more it was more prevalent now and you started to see more cases of it than you had before. I, I think it's just the way it's done now. It it kinda was sparked by that that uh for lack of a better term, that decision to make the, to do the decision. No, absolutely. And that's if anything it sparked was like player empowerment and kind of just being on that big time of the stage picking where you're gonna go. But you know, uh I think that was more a LeBron moment than a league moment. Yeah. Now all right, the ten years since the decision, I I said the quote earlier, not five, not six, not seven. They only got two. Well, they only well they made four finals runs, but they only got two. They went to they went to the finals all four years, but they only got two. They almost lost well, the guy that the guy the guy that said it went to eight straight. Well, so, I know, I know, I know. Just just, just saying. But his, was his record though was the decision to go to Miami a success for LeBron? Yeah, for sure. I think it, he needed it. And uh, arguably the best LeBron ever is the 2012 LeBron. So um, he calls it his it college. A, yeah, I, I think that it was. Yeah, he needed that time to get away. It's like, dude, he grew up in he grew up in Ohio. He probably wanted to get out. Uh, I think he needed to be the just to get out and do his do himself and not have the weight of the world on him uh, and go and go and get that ring now for the Heat. <laughs> you know, yeah. two out of four. I I don't think that that necessarily was a huge success, but it was definitely a success. I mean, you got back to back championships, but I definitely think you were hoping that you would get you know three, even maybe four, out of those. So from the Heat standpoint, maybe different. But for Braun, I think he did all the growing and the maturing and all all that kind of shit. You know, like like you said, he says it's college. That's a perfect analogy. Um, so I think it was a success as far as LeBron's career. I think looking back on it uh, now that I think he almost deserved that time in Miami in a way just because, again, he didn't have those players like Bosch, uh, like Wade, in in uh, in Cleveland at the time. I don't, th- I don't even know who I would say is his best player that he played with in Cleveland prior to leaving, you know, and that, that that's pretty sad. But playing with in those four years with Miami, I think that was really rewarding for him. And like Tyler said, he kind of needed that time away and that he took that back to Cleveland when he initially decided to leave Miami and then go back and win a championship with Cleveland. So I think that was good for him being away for four years. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I think you guys covered it all. It was a hundred percent a success for LeBron. Obviously in the moment it didn't work and he was the villain for so long, but Everything went away in 2016 when he came back from 3-1 with the Cavs against the Warriors and brought a Cleveland back, uh, brought a championship back to Cleveland. But he was he was almost the villain too when he left Miami. I, I remember seeing footage of this live when he said, "I'm going back to Cleveland." Yeah, Miami and, was pissed, of course. And Miami fans were pissed. They're like, "How could you do this?" And in my mind, he brought you two finals and he took you to the finals four times. Right? How could they be mad? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, he won you two titles, but. And you're over there burning his jersey? Yeah. No, I mean, the burning of the jersey is always stupid. But, yeah, so 10 years since the decision. Now, all right, last thing before we get out of here. We talked about it last week. The basketball tournament. Tyler, you got a full report. Update everybody. What do, what do we got? What's going on in the basketball tournament? 
Well, we're, we got two more games tomorrow night, and then we'll be done with the round of 16. So we're in the, we're so in the Sweet 16 right now. Well, yep, we're in the Sweet 16 right now. Um, we're, we're, we, got two, we got two more games, and then we'll have our final eight. Uh, but tomorrow night is actually going to be a pretty dope night. It's uh, opening night for the two-seed uh, overseas elite who has Joe Johnson. Oh. So Joe Johnson, so Joe Johnson's going to make his TVT debut tomorrow night, and then also making their debut tomorrow night is the Money Team, funded by Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, where is and, uh, where the is money, their bubble? Like, where is the TBT playing? God, I don't know. Uh, what one sec, man? I want to say it's like in the uh, in like the like the Midwest or like the like Tennessee, Kentucky type area. I'm looking it up right now. It's being held in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. 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 So, so yeah, tomorrow tomorrow we got the money team, um, and they're going against one of the underdogs. uh, Heard heard that, a Marshall alumni team. Uh, But the money team has guys like they got – Bryce Alford and uh, Thomas Welsh. Oh, two former UCLA UCLA. Bruins. Yep, and then we got uh, Kyle Wilcher, who we all kind of, who's a big-time high school recruit, uh, played in a day a little bit. We got Jordan Crawford, Tony Roten, uh, and Willie Reed. All three of those guys played a good amount in the air. Yeah. And then Nick Johnson, Nick Johnson from Arizona. Oh, yeah. So kind of like, kind of an Arizona, kind of a West Coast Pac-12 all-star team in a sense. Yeah, kind of. Um, and then um, I just – I was telling you before the show started, I, I randomly I, – I was looking at FanDuel to bet on these TVT games. Uh, you can make FanDuel lineups for, for these guys. And I saw uh, Frank Sessions on Overseas Elite. Oh, old Frank and, Nitty. You know, and we love Frank Nitty, and we follow him, and so I haven't heard anything. And so I checked the tournament website, and sure enough, Frank Diddy is on Overseas Elite, uh, who's, who's uh, Joe Johnson's team. Um, but I haven't heard anything uh, about, like, Frank saying that he's playing. I haven't seen him at the bubble or anything. I haven't seen anything on social media. So, uh, yeah, if anyone knows that Nitty's playing in the uh, – the TVT for real, let me know. But uh, I guess tomorrow night we'll find out. Yeah, I'm going to be tuned in um, definitely now. But yeah, so those are, that's kind of the games tomorrow night, and then you know, so far it's been it's been good. There's been three upsets so far as far as like getting in. Uh, heard that the Marshall alumni team it was the 23 seed, so um, they beat a 10 seed. Uh, Sideline Cancer actually was the 22 seed. There's only 24 teams, so uh, Sideline Cancer being the 22 seed uh, won their first round and their second round game. So uh, they're a 22 seed being a final eight team. Uh, and then the men of Mackey, a VCU alumni, I believe, or, or I forget where Coach Mackey coached. Uh, they were also an up, uh, upset. Um, so it's been a good tournament so far. And then the big news was heard that, or not heard that, um, uh, the, the Illinois alumni team, uh, Payne, nothing but pain or something like that. Uh, they, they beat Ohio state's team who was the defending champs last year. So oh, the wow. number one seed is all. So the number one seeds already gone down. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, so so the, we're going to have a new then, champ uh, this year. So we're going to have a new champ this year. Um, and then one other cool thing I thought was that I thought that the Canadian Basketball League uh, is going to adopt the Elam ending full time. And they're going to be the first basketball league in FIBA basketball uh, to adopt the Elam ending. Oh, okay. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty crazy. That's Canada's number one pro league. All right. So, all right, that uh, that wraps wraps it up, I guess. Uh, you guys got any shout-outs before we get out of here? Uh, just while uh, I got a TBT shout-out. Uh, like I said, Ohio State team won it last year, and they were disqualified. And Aaron Kraft, who was a, a, a guard for Ohio State. Um, yeah, I remember that name, Aaron Kraft. Yeah, you know, he was a great defensive guard. He's been playing in the TBT for the last four years. He announced that this would be his last pro basketball uh, before he would go off to become a, a surgeon. Wow. Go off to med school. So he unfortunately ended on, you know, an upset note. Um, and he's done with the professional basketball world. Um, so, yeah, shout out to him, man. He had a great basketball career. Yeah, and now he's going to go off to do. switch. He's going to go off to do even better things now. Yep. Yep, exactly. So shout out to him, man. All right, and then, uh, Jacob, you don't got a shout-out? Not this week, nope. All right. Uh, I'm going to shout-out Dodgers' newly acquired pitcher, David Price. He announced that he will be opting out of playing in the 60-game 2020 MLB season over he and his family's concerns for COVID-19. Price was slotted to be the third starter behind Clayton Kershaw and Walker Buehler. The Dodgers put out a statement in full support of Price and said they are looking forward to seeing him in Dodgers blue in 2021. David Price was set to make $11.9 million this season, but he's leaving all of that on the table to do what he feels is right for him and his family. And he also, before even playing a game for the Dodgers, out of his own pocket during the uh, negotiations, between the Players Association and the league and all the uncertainty of if there was going to be a season or not, David Price, out of his own pocket, paid every single Dodgers minor league player in the entire minor league system, that's 220 players, he paid them each out of his own pocket $1,000 in the month of June to help them out during this time of financial struggle for those in the minor leagues because the minor league season has now been canceled. They're not going to have a season this year. So I know the $1,000 isn't a lot technically, but Yeah, but overall, they don't make that much either. Overall, minor league players don't make a lot, and that's $220,000 out of David Price's pocket going to a minor league system that he hasn't even played a game for that organization yet. So that just says a lot about who David Price is as a person. So I just I wanted to shout him out because... Obviously, he's making the right call for him and his family, and everyone has to respect that. And then, real quick, the schedule was announced for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are going to be playing the Houston Astros four times this season. Two games in Houston, two in Los Angeles. The two games in Houston are at the beginning of the season. They're going to be July 28th and 29th. And then the two games in Los Angeles are going to be at the very end of the season, uh, that'll be September 12th and 13th. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I know the fans are going to be very excited for that. And 
Dodger Stadium might have some security issues with fans trying to get in for those games because they're going to want to let the Astros have it in September. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.